Welcome to Walnut Hill. It's good to see you all this morning here in the Bethel campus. We want to greet everyone in Waterbury, New Milford, the Valley and online. My name is Victoria Kovarik. I'm one of the pastors here at Walnut Hill. Now, for those of you that know me, you may feel that I don't quite sound my normal self. You will be right. We're in the winter with some bugs, aren't we? So uh, it's been an entertaining week, but I'm so glad that we get to be together to dig into the Word of God. And we're continuing in this sermon series called Red Letters, and we are looking at the words of Jesus in Luke's Gospel. And so often in our Bibles, those words are written in red, hence red letters. And we're continuing in this theme for this year called Ignite Compassion. And last Sunday, Pastor Brian preached from Luke chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, can I encourage you to open it? And Pastor Brian uh, took us through a very challenging teaching passage. Very challenging because it's very uncomfortable. And he challenged us to love and to love our enemies. So last Sunday, we looked at Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to verse 36. And this Sunday, we're looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 45. And, and the, the passage was read, and it's that beautiful passage, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And we read those words, and I don't know what that does to you. It might be that you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, am I a good tree? Am I, am I really producing good fruit? Can, can people really see good things in me, or am I just not, not really quite there? And so you read a passage like this, and it can create a bunch of self-doubt and questions. Or you read a passage like this, and you're thinking, oh, you know so-and-so. They've got to be a bad tree, right? Because if they were a good tree, they wouldn't have done what they did. And if they hadn't done what they did, then I wouldn't have been so hurt. And therefore, I just want to say this. It's very easy to take Scripture and make it say what we want it to say. And it's very easy to misuse Scripture. But we need to read Scripture within the context of Scripture. And so what is the context for this passage about good trees and good fruit and bad trees and bad fruit? The context is loving your enemies, right? So the very framework from which we can talk about what kind of tree you are is a framework of realizing how loved we are by God, that he took us as sinners and forgave us and transformed us, but also choosing to love those that we don't understand and we don't like and maybe we even hate. But, but let's go on, right? Because if you look, if you've got your Bible open, not only is the context loving your enemies, if you get to verse 37 to 38, Scripture is very clear. Do not judge others. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. So wait a minute. This is not about my then saying, oh, so-and-so has got to be a bad tree. Right? Because if the context is not judging, then that automatically challenges my set of thinking there. And then if you go on, in that same passage, you get to verse 39. Jesus talks about a blind person leading a blind person into a hole and basically saying, the only one who's going to help you avoid stumbling is the one who can truly see. And that's Jesus, the light of the world. And so actually our focus shouldn't be on what each other are doing. Our focus should be on him. And then 
let's take one more step, right? Because you've got verse 41 to 42 before you get to verse 43. And what does verse 41 to 42 say? It says, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's. Right? It is so easy, isn't it, to see the huge problems that my friend has or my sibling has or the person around me has or my neighbour has and we miss the very things going on in our own hearts. And so if we look at that kind of context, I wonder if what Jesus is really saying is, let's just take a look at how you're doing. I I don't know that Jesus is saying, now go into a spiral of self-doubt. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying, let's take a look. Examine your own heart. What kind of tree are you? Are you producing good fruit? Are you at peace with your Savior? See, I may not be an arborist. In fact, I, I don't know necessarily a great thing about trees. But one thing I can suggest, and that is this. I don't think a tree spends its days worrying about what it is. And my sense this morning is I believe the Lord wants to bring peace to his people. That we might be at peace with him, that we might flourish. And as we flourish and are who he's made us to be, heaven knows what's going to come. Because God didn't create you to go and be something that you're not. He created you to be who you are and produce fruit where you are and to honor him where you are. And so this morning, we're going to look at what it is to be a tree. And uh, I'm going to put this picture on the screen. It's a beautiful tree, isn't it? You look at a picture like that, I just love that sort of sense of this tree with all her majesty standing tall. And the temptation can be that we focus on the tree, but you know, when I look at this picture, you know what it does to my heart? It makes me thankful for the creator. The one that made that tree in that first place, that tree in all her beauty is not the sum total of all the things that matter. It's the one that created her. And we walk through, um, in fact, the story of that, that tree. That tree is in our yard, and I had never noticed her. And we had to cut down some trees, and my husband chose the trees that he thought needed to come down. And when they came down, suddenly I realized that this tree was behind. And if you go in a forest, so often there are all these trees, and, and they can get lost in the midst, but they're all fulfilling their function. And the beauty is that God made you, and he sees you. And is longing that you might be who he has made you to be in the place that he has planted you. And that as you flourish, as you grow, as you point to him, as you being who you are brings glory to his name. You have no idea in the spiritual realm what is then taking place. You have no idea whose lives are being touched and affected because you are flourishing as the tree that you are. And so I believe we need to ask ourselves the question, what kind of tree are we? Because scripture is clear, there are bad trees and there are good trees. What kind of tree are we? Are we trees that are sinners knowing that we have been saved by grace who have put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ? Or are we trees that are determined to live life for ourselves and do it our way or the highway? What kind of tree are you? You know, the more I've been reflecting on this, the more I realise that actually 
the entire gospel message can be framed around a tree. Now, let me, let me help you understand what I'm saying. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, we read how God created, don't we? God created the heavens and the earth. He created trees. He created the world. He created um, the parting of waters, sea and land. He creates a garden. And in that garden, God created human beings for a deep and intimate an open and frank walk with him. And in that garden, he put a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said to Adam and Eve, you can have anything from this garden, just don't take the fruit from that tree. So like most human beings, right? They do the one thing you're told not to. And so they take from that tree. Why? Because they want to be like God. The, the human beings who were made in the image of God try to be like God, claim independence from Him, do things their way, and that is what caused them to be cast out of the garden. That is where sin comes into the world. It is from a tree that they were told not to that they took from in order to be like God that leads to sin. That sin is not something we could resolve simply by working harder and trying more. No, that sin only gets resolved as Jesus hangs on a tree. As Jesus hangs on that tree, he takes on himself all the sin of the world. He deals with death and with sin in that moment. Why? That we might know God that we might be forgiven, that we might know his presence and his peace in this broken, fallen world in which we live, that we might know him now and that we might know him for eternity. And then if you fast forward with me to Revelation 22, Revelation 22 is this prophetic vision of the end of time. And in this prophetic vision of Revelation 22, there is a tree. It's a tree of life. And scripture says that the leaves of the tree of life can bring healing to the nations. And it is with that picture, that tree in the garden of God, in the heavenly realms, that that moment when either Jesus comes back first or he takes us to be with himself, that we will be with him forever. There will be no more pain and no more suffering. And it is in that image of a tree that reflects back to a garden that we were made to have that level of relationship and intimacy with God, that we had turned our back on in the garden that we get restored to in eternity. You are a tree in the garden of God if you've given your life to him. Therefore, you are a good tree. Why? Because he is good. And so you've got to stop wrestling with am I good or not good and be who he has made you to be. And the beauty is that this picture is not about the tree. It's about the creator of the tree. And the, that is what our lives, and that is what the fruit is there to point to, isn't it? You see, we live in Connecticut and we know that trees don't always do too well at standing. 
I was hiking recently, and you'll see it in this next picture in Southford Falls, and there's a moment where the trail disappears. In fact, you have to hike around the trail to find it again. Um, I suspect this is because of that microburst, remember from a couple of years ago? And you walk around these trees with these tiny roots, and you're like, no wonder the poor thing can't stay standing. If there was a spiritual, a, I don't know, microscope, whatever it would be, if there was a, a spiritual radar that could show where your roots are, what would it show at this moment? If you're a tree in the garden of God, how are your roots doing? Is there lots of rocks underneath and they're not growing very deep? Or are they growing deep? Because if we want to be trees that stand, we need deep roots, don't we? We know that. We live here. And scripture uses this imagery of a tree in so many ways. And I know it's not in this specific passage, but I believe we have to talk about roots if we're going to talk about fruit. And there there are two passages in the Old Testament, and I love them. They talk about a tree planted by waters that bears fruit in season and that leaves never wither. And those two passages, one is in uh, Psalm 1. Now that tree that is being talked about in Psalm 1, it says that, I'm going to turn to it. That tree is a tree that is rooted in the law of the Lord. You see it in Psalm 1. Verse 2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. If you want to be a tree with roots that grow deep, they've got to grow deep in this, right? When you gave your life to Jesus, your roots were transplanted from the world to the kingdom of God. They were transplanted from the way that everybody else thinks to actually wanting to honour Jesus as King. And how do we know what honors God? Well, we get into his word. We ask him to speak to our hearts, to challenge and to change us. You want to be a person with deep roots who can stand even when the, the noise and the wind is going on around you and people are saying things, you're not sure what to do. You want to be like our brothers and sisters in Iran who can stand amidst persecution and difficulty. Well, we've got to know who we are in him and know who he is. The character and the nature of God. It's amazing how lies come in our head that seem to distort who God is. And he wants to reveal himself. To be trees with deep roots, we know the God that we serve. So we delight in his word. And and that is not a, oh, now I have to do my first 20 in order to be. No, do your first 20 because you want to know who Jesus is. You want to grow in his word. You want to have deep roots. You want to be more in love with the God that made you. See, I told you there were two passages in the Old Testament. They're very similar. The other is Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 isn't quite the same in terms of its context. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made, their Lord, have made the Lord their hope and confidence. That's Jeremiah 17, verse 7. And then it goes on, they're like a tree. 
And the reason why I reference that passage as well is, yes, our roots need to be in the Word of God, but our roots need to be in faith. It's not just an academic knowledge of what the Bible says. It is a choice to trust what the Bible says, whatever is going on for this day, for the things that you're facing in this moment. This walk by faith is not for the faint of heart. It's not always that easy, is it? There are moments when you have to say, I believe, (laughs) I believe that God is good. I really can't see it at the moment. Or I believe that God will provide, but I know what my bank account says and I'm not sure what to do. Now, we walk by faith. We need wisdom. It's good to get advice and insight from other people, but the faith walk is a deep trust in who God is. And so Jeremiah reminds us that actually to be a tree with deep roots, it's not just enough to know the law, but to trust in the Lord, to put our hope in Him, our confidence in Him. Now I'm going to give a third suggestion of roots, and it's maybe not quite so um, obvious, maybe it's slightly Tangential for those of you who are horticulturalists and things, you can talk to me later. But John 15 talks about vines and branches. In John 15 verse 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You want to be rooted in the things of God. We've got to remain in Jesus. It's not enough to say, well, I've given him my life and now I'm going to go do what I like. No, you say, remain in him. Allow the words of Christ, these red letters to challenge your heart. Pursue a deeper knowledge and understanding of who he is and what it means to put your trust in him. Stay close to Jesus. So I think so often we make Jesus out to be this nice Jesus, meek and mild. And yet you read the Bible and he challenged those who thought they understood everything and how to act religiously. He challenged them. Allow Jesus to challenge your own perceptions, your own understandings. Stay rooted in him, not in the world, not in your own expectations or what other people say but rooted in the word of God and in faith and in your hope that is based in Jesus Christ. Why? Because if we do that, we're going to bear fruit, right? A tree bears fruit in season because it's had the sun, it's had the rain, it's got the nourishment, and in the right moment, it will bear fruit. You don't walk by a tree in an orchard and hear them groaning, do you? Oh, it's apple season. Let's all groan so that we can make an apple. That's not what trees do. They don't strive. And I wonder sometimes if we miss the point of this passage, I wonder sometimes if we get confused and we start to think, oh, I'm not producing enough fruit or I'm not producing... um, Or or the fruit I'm producing doesn't seem to seem that valuable and important to me, so we discount it. How do you measure what God is doing 
in you? How do you measure the fruit? We all have our sins, don't we? Yes, please. Yes. Thank you. Confession is good for the soul. You know, one of my biggest areas of struggle is comparison. There is such a sin of comparison, isn't there? And when we get into this area of fruit, I think we have a real challenge with the issue of comparison. Now, you may feel that you are a tree producing very small fruit. Let's say you're a cherry tree and you're producing cherries. And you're like, I don't want to be a cherry tree. I want to be a mango tree. Their fruit is bigger. Well, kind of missed the point, right? Because cherries and mangoes are both yummy. So enjoy the fruit you're producing. Or, or maybe you're producing an apple and you're like, oh, actually, let's have the apple on the screen, shall we? You're producing an apple and you're like, oh, they're just, they're just boring, right? You get apples everywhere. I want to be a banana tree. It's like they're much more exotic. Come on. I want to produce bananas. And I believe that the Lord, if he were to be here in physical form, would say, please, my son, my daughter, receive what I've given you. Welcome it. I love you. You are not less because you're a cherry tree or an apple tree. You're not more if you're a banana or a mango or something exotic. You are exactly how I made you. And I've made you to thrive, to be, to have deep roots, to know me. And, and all the time we're looking at each other and comparing ourselves to each other. We're undermining the very thing that God is doing within us. It must break his heart because I bet we're just turning around and saying, God, your plans are not perfect. Mine were much better. See, Philippians 1.11 says, the fruit that we produce is the fruit of salvation. You might say, well, what does that mean? What? I thought this fruit was about people giving their lives to Jesus. Well, mm, I don't know that Scripture is that clear about that. Philippians 1.11 says, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. The fruit that we produce, it's not about, oh, 10 people gave their lives to Jesus. That's the fruit I produce with my life. No, that's the work of God through you that you had the privilege of being part of. Praise Jesus. But that's not you claiming, you know, somehow I'm so amazing. No, the fruit, I believe, as we look at this passage and as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, is a work of character within you. And it is through that work within you and of character within you that the Lord can bring lots of other fruit in the lives of those around us. That He can bring healing and transformation and salvation as others are touched and challenged by the transformation taking place in you. But did you hear what I read in Philippians 1, 11? 
The fruit of your salvation is a righteous character. That is not a going around, I'm so amazing, look at me. No, that is a right standing, right relationship, a character that reflects a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father that honors Him. And, and it is, and if you go on, it says, it is produced in your life by Jesus Christ. This is not the tree going, oh, I need to produce an apple. No, it's the tree going, Jesus, you're the one that brings the sun and the rain and the nourishment. Could you do a work within me to produce fruit that is in keeping with what you've done in my life? But it also goes on and it says this, for this will bring, what? Much glory and praise to God. The whole point of the fruit that is being produced in your life is not that you look good, but that God looks good. And, and I mean that in the purest sense that actually like that tree with all her majesty makes my heart go praise the Lord for his creation that those who walk around you see your life and it points to him. And that we're not worried about the fruit we're producing because we recognize it is a work that God does in us as we submit and humble ourselves to him. Galatians 2.22 is very clear about the fruit of the spirit and we can share them, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. But what does it say before that? It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It is not us manufacturing peace, trying to keep everything together, trying to look good for everybody else. It is a work of God in us. And this Holy Spirit is not a liquid. It's not some floaty force. The Holy Spirit is a person. The third person in the Trinity, we worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the truth is God knows we can't do this by ourselves. We don't have the strength. And so God has poured out His Spirit in us to produce in us what we cannot produce in ourselves, which is fruit that looks like Him. And the truth is, you can say, no, God. Or you can say, God, I need you. The truth is, you can do everything to put a nice face on and look great in church and miss, miss the transforming work that the Lord wants to do deep within you. You can live life like that. It's a story of a duck, isn't it? Where everything, or a swan, everything looks beautiful on the outside and the feet are doing this. How many of us live like that? And the Lord is saying, I want you to know peace in your inner being, that you might carry that peace into the places that I take you. My um, brother Gavin gave um, my husband Andre a book for Christmas and it's written by an English minister. His name is Andy Frost. He wrote the, st uh, the book Long Story Short. And uh, we were reading this quote this week. It says, every interaction we make leaves a trace. And as we go about life, we leave people with a taster of eternity 
with the scent of another world. Shall I read that again? Every interaction we make leaves a trace. And as we go about life, we leave people with a taster of eternity, with the scent of another world. What if you were to think about tomorrow in those terms? What would it look like? Taking the kids to school, driving, <laughs> when the person cuts you off. What would it look like going into the workplace or being at home, caring for a sick loved one or uh, walking the dog? In any of those settings or circumstances, what would it look like if you viewed your life as bringing a scent of heaven, a taster of the eternal? It's almost a daunting thought, isn't it? Well, it doesn't happen because you suddenly decide, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to point everyone to eternity. No, it happens. They say, Lord, I need a fresh taster and scent of heaven so that I can carry that scent with me into the day. Lord, I want to be open to your spirit. I want to be awake to what you're doing. How many of us are so caught with looking back and saying, but I've failed, I've messed up, I haven't done, that we are using all our energy worrying about the past that we're missing the now. What the Lord wants to do now in you. If you've sinned, confess. We all sin, right? So let's confess, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Then be the tree in the garden of God that he made you to be. And stop worrying about what's taking place. Believe that he is who he says he is, that he can forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How many of us are so caught up with our own self-perception that actually it is our view of us or we're not good enough or we're too good or... Uh, if only we had different gifts, if only we were better prepared, if only we had done this, that, or the other, maybe we've missed it. And in the midst of all that struggle with our own self-perception and all that downward focus, I believe the Lord just wants to say, look at me. Look at me. You're missing what I'm doing in this moment. Let me reveal to you who you are. Stop trying to figure it out. Use the gifts you have. Flourish where you are. Doesn't matter if people, from your perspective, are seeing you or not. Be who you are and let me reveal myself. I never forget meeting Adam in uh, the persecuted uh, world. He. He comes from a country where coming to Jesus meant that he could probably have ended up in prison if not been killed for his faith. And Adam was a really angry guy. In fact, he, um, he broke his sister's nose one day. That kind of level of anger. And he has this incredible testimony. But when he gave his life to Jesus... He never told it his family because of the risk of the country he was living in. And he gave his life to Jesus through reading a Bible and he'd hidden it in his drawer and he locked the drawer and eventually he actually left the country to go and learn more about his faith. And he called his home just to let them know that he was okay. And, and they said to him, he said, please, Adam, you have to tell us what happened. You are so changed. What happened? 
eventually says, you've got to get into my drawer. I locked it, but you've got to break in. Get the book that's inside and you'll understand. This mum and his sister gave their life to Jesus. But I share that story, and some of you may be saying, but nobody ever thinks that of me. Well, really? Really? It's incredible. Sometimes you hear the things, and sometimes you don't. But I know from talking to different ones of you that, that people have said things to you like, I want to have peace like you have, or what's changed in you? Or I see something, but I don't understand what it is. See, as we pursue Jesus, whether we realize it or not, Jesus is doing a transforming work in us as he does a transforming work in us. Those around us see it. And sometimes they'll ask and sometimes they don't. When they ask, you need to have the courage to say, actually, let me tell you about the one who's changing my life. And if they don't, then we pray that they might see the fruit. See, I want to close this morning by asking, where do you stand? Do you know that you're a tree in the garden of God? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? If you have, be. Be that tree. Grow deep roots. Be grateful for who God has made you to be. Flourish as that apple tree in the garden of God. Produce beautiful fruit for the glory of God. And truthfully, if you're sitting here and you have never come to a place of giving your life to Jesus of saying, actually, I want to know him. Then I want to encourage you at the end of this service or um, if you're online to, uh, to, to contact the church, love to pray with you and talk with you. But I'd encourage you at the end of the service to come and talk with a prayer servant or a pastor or an elder about what this could look like to actually be a good tree in the garden of God.